Hello friends and welcome to your sizzling Monday morning Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town pod. I am Mark Keith. I am joined in the sweat box today by my three favourite kings. The boys were on the road with town at the weekend. The Dr Stuart Watson, the prospect Roscoe Halls and of course Hutch Hogan, Andy Warren. Now then boys, it is hot today. I don't know if you've noticed, there's been barely any coverage of it on the news. So as your line manager and superior in pretty much every way, and inspiration as well, clearly. Um, I have a duty of care to you. I just want to check before we get going. Are you all in shade? Can you get to shade? Have you got a drink? Are you well hydrated? Um, because I don't want any of us passing out during this show. There's a good chance one of us might spontaneously combust, apparently, today. It's so hot. Um, so I just want to check. Uh, Stu, I'm going to start with you, because obviously you've got the solar panel as well to be worried about on the roof. Are you okay in this heat? I'm okay. Yeah, I've I've got a little fan on my desk. I'm I'm I'm, so... I'm, I'm adhering to all safe safety Excellent. health and safety measures. You can you can pass that up to your superiors yeah. higher up the shady archant figures that that all is well. They will want to check, and obviously they are they are shadowy, so they're they're in shade themselves. That they're, they're safe. I'm surprised you're not going topless today, Stu. Given it is hot, and you you're a bit of a beefcake these days. You've been using uh, the old no... man, manscape, trim the old. Uh... Chest up? I could do, couldn't I? Um, uh, no, and uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Hutchie, you're not a fan of the heat. Today is, is a dangerous day for you. Um, how are you feeling about things? How's, how is everything? My my house is always nice and cool. It's, mm. uh, we've got a, got a system um, and, it, and it works. So today being inside was no no concern for me. On a public service announcement, because there are, there are lots of... I was listening to the radio this morning and I was repeatedly being told to drink water and stay in the shade and um, that kind of thing. What is your system, Hutchie? Because you have a very efficient system you shared with me last week when I was um, kind of extorting to you how warm it was in Heath Towers. You said, look, this is what you need to do. So for the people, what, how would you keep your house cold? Very, very simple. Windows open at night Yep. when it's cooler. Let the air circulate then. During the day... Keep your windows closed, keep all your curtains closed, and you will have a nice, cool house, just like mine. Easy. Cool. Cool and smooth, just like the Hutch man. Uh, someone who's definitely cool and smooth is Roscoe. Not on the face, of course. You're not smooth on the face. But how are you, my hirsute young friend? I'm very well. Currently, my laptop is alive, so I don't know that maybe the heat is affecting it, because I don't know if you can hear that. It's just the fan is just, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's making a very funny noise. But um, I love the heat. I love the summer, um, but we're talking off air. I'm not a sunbather. You know, I just love going into the ocean or the sea or whatever. Just, you know, enjoy the sunshine in the water, splashing about and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a hot one, isn't it? I hope you use sun cream, Ross. Yeah, yeah, of course. Got cool. to be concerned about your skin, even at your, your young age. Excellent. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> We've got loads to talk about, friends, today. I think the best way to do it is chronologically, because there's, there's been a lot happened since we last spoke. And that started um, on Friday night. It was about quarter to 11. I, I was lying in bed um, reading. My phone started going off, buzzing. Um, and then before I knew it, Town were announcing a signing at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday night, which is a new record, I think, in terms of signings being announced and timing and, and day um i was trying to get hold of the boys to make sure they were on it i sprung out of bed ready to write the story of my life i'd had a couple of whiskey so it would have been a good one um but fortunately hutchie was all over it of course 
so boys, Town on Friday night signed Marcus Harness from Portsmouth with Joe Pigger as expected going the other way on loan. Let's start there then. Hutch, you wrote, you wrote the story. I'm going to start with you. Marcus Harness has signed. Your first thoughts? Yeah, he's, he's definitely a player all of us are aware of because we've we've seen a lot of him over the over the last 3 years as a Portsmouth player i think they've, they've obviously they've in recent years there've been some players joining Ipswich that if we're all completely honest we've not seen an awful lot of but harness is a little bit different and and um i guess that's why this one is so interesting because we're we're aware that he's a top end league 1 performer he's he's weighed in with he averages double figures in terms of goals over his three seasons at Portsmouth. Plenty of assists as well. Being one of their key, keep one of the key players in a in a side that has um, generally been better than Ipswich over the course in the in the League One season. So for him to for him to be coming in is a is a really interesting one. Plenty of questions about what role he's here to play and and who he's here to play with. But um, we can have that chat in a minute. But um, on the face of it. It's a League One, a top end League One player joining what is now hopefully going to be a top end League One performing team. Right. Before I go to your best mate, Stuart Watson, for his thoughts and, uh, and maybe thoughts on those questions you've just posed, a few stats, friends. So last season, Marcus Harness scored 12 in 44 games for Pompey. Before that season, he scored 10 in 53 in 2021. And before that, in 1920, he scored nine in 37. So a consistent scoring record at this level as an attacker. Danny Cowley says he's championship quality, Marcus Harness. Stewie, Hutchie there just posed a couple of questions. Where's he going to play? Who's he going to play with? What are you saying? When you when you heard the news, Harness has signed for town, what do you make of it? It's going to sting for Portsmouth fans, isn't it? Seeing mm. uh, one of, if not their best player, go to a, a League One rival who, as Andy says, they've, they've finished above um, generally, I think. Is it all, all three seasons? Did they finish above Ipswich last season as, as well in the end? I can't, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, you mentioned those those stats there. <clears throat> They're pretty much exactly the same as what Wes Burns did for Ipswich. And, and you think about the way we talk about Wes Burns last season, 13 goals, six assists, harness 12 goals, six assists. Hmm. So that's pretty good going, isn't it? Um, where's he going to play? Kieran McKenna was asked this question at the weekend. We'll, we'll put some quotes out from, from him um, probably over the course of today. He was a little bit vague in terms of just talking about his versatility. We've got a role or, or two in mind for him. Don't want to show my hand too much at the moment as we as we head into the, the season, but he, he's a versatile player. He can play as an inside forward, a number 10. Um, he was asked, oh, he's, he's played wing back in the past, and he said yes, but I, I don't get the vibe that he's, he'll be considered for a wing back. I think he'll either play as, if Ipswich play with those those sort of dual number 10s in behind, I think he could he could play sort of tucked in in one of those. If they play with a, with a proper front three, he could play sort of, you know, either side of a of a central striker. That's kind of where, where I see him playing. Okay. Uh, you mentioned there the fans' reaction. Rossi, I was looking Friday night, obviously, um, trying to catch up on, on thoughts on Harness. And Pompey fans' reaction... Was that they very much got the wrong end of that deal? They're <laughs> saying we just sold basically our best player, our, our most valuable player, and we've got a striker who barely scored last season coming back on loan. In return, what do you make of Harness? Oh, I love it, absolutely love it. As we say, flames and all that. Um, big fan of my, my Marcus Harness. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not. I've got all the knowledge, but um, I've, I've sort of followed his career since Burton Albion um, when he was there. 
But yeah, I think this is a fantastic sign. And as always, good age, 26, decent age. Mark He's Ashton got- Co have got that that age range there with their sign like Connor Chaplin like last year signing him he was he was yeah. at a good age and he still is a good age but um no overall is a man who who knows his division um, hasn't been able to get out of this division of course but he's definitely championship quality but um yeah a lot of town fans really happy with this one and as you said Pompey fans thinking what we're letting go Marcus Harness to get Joe Piggott on loan but yeah. You know, yeah. There was a bit of bit of championship interest in him, Swansea and Blackpool throughout the throughout the course of the summer. To believe there were bids from from those two, but none of them reached Portsmouth valuation, which um, seems to be understood to be like around six hundred thousand, um, with some some top ups and add ons after that potentially. But crucially, Mark, Mark, you've done the uh, you've done the old cash thing there. I'm not. Not yeah. convinced that's all going to land in Pompey's wallet straight away, which is maybe another consideration here. It's, it's, these things generally get paid over a number of years, so I'd imagine that's the case with this one, rather than sort of tooling up a rival with um, a big wad of cash. Over. Yeah, it, it will be. It, he was in the paid. final year of his contract, wasn't he? So this is why Ipswich have been able to get this done. He was in his proper last year, no option left to take from Portsmouth. They've, they've been backed into a bit of a corner here. Um, they need they needed they needed the funds or, or risk sort of losing him for nothing next mm. summer. So Ipswich have kind of used that leverage to their advantage. I guess Piggott was another little bit of leverage as well, which perhaps helped sort of uh, sweet, sweeten the deal. So um, good business here. We talked about sort of the signings coming in being pragmatic, proven players for for this level, and I think Harness Harness is another one that someone that is is ready to hit the ground running, hopefully at League One level. The thing I like most about about him is that he's a ball carrier. I, I, I still think this Ipswich team need more players that can carry the ball at feet. Um, they've got some great players that like, you look at like Aluko, who can move the ball around with, with clever passes. He drops deep, gets on the ball, can play a pass. I, I like players that can move the ball with the ball at their feet as well and Harness can do that. And I think the thing I like the most about it is... Um, Without over-egging it, I'd, I'd, I'd have a few concerns about expecting Wes Burns to be the focal point of Ipswich Town every game again and mm. again and again over another over another season. Um, I'm not sure that's sustainable. Um, so having someone like Harness, who obviously could play in the same team as Wes Burns, but also is a very viable replacement for Wes Burns should he need to miss a game, um, should he be called up for the World Cup especially, which would be a whole month's worth of football. But just on a game-by-game game basis, not having to flog Wes Burns every single game for mm. for, for 50 matches um, over a season is is something that's quite important. I still I still expect Burns to be right at the forefront of what they're doing, but to have a viable alternative um for him i think could be could be really really important mm. what about the guy going the other way joe piggott we, we all expected him to, to leave this summer he's gone to pompey on loan um and you were saying you don't think there's a recall clause in in the deal so he's, he can't no. be recalled even if he starts like his shorts are on fire um and town is struggling for goals so he won't be coming back this season likely you'd imagine not to be coming back at all um what do you make of, of of Piggott going the other way. I, I know there were some quotes I, I put online actually yesterday, him saying he didn't really enjoy football at town last season and just wants to get back to enjoying the game again. Um, Piggott's time at town, what do you reckon? I'm not surprised that's how he feels. Hmm. Um, 
it, it, what the whole scenario didn't play out um, in, in, in any way like how he would have imagined, I guess, stepping up to Ipswich and signing a, a three-year contract with a number nine shirt, a big club like Ipswich, that, that it didn't play out how he would have expected, did it? No, I think that's fair to say. It didn't play out like any of it expected, did it? When he signed, he was the man, wasn't he? That he was going to score all the goals. Just didn't happen for him. Um, we spoke last week about letting him go to a divisional rival with with motivation as well, Stewie. Um, Hutchie said that wasn't something that, that bothered him. How about you? Not really. I guess it's a calculated risk, isn't it? I think mm. you know, the fact that Harness has, has come the other direction sort of makes you doubly confident that Ipswich have, have got by far the better end of of this deal, I think Andy said it in, in our last chat, you have to just believe in yourself that you are going to be better than Portsmouth and, mm. and several other League One rivals. Um, the writing was on the wall for Joe Piggott and that's no slight on him at all. I think things conspired against him. He, he was on a certain direction of travel um, from early on that became very difficult to turn around. Um he summed it up in his quotes himself that you know he, he found it difficult to get into any kind of rhythm. We know what happened in terms of Macaulay Bond perhaps being a bit of a surprise package early on, keeping him out. Things weren't going great for the team. Change of manager. Then he it's very hard to to. He then said, look, then I probably didn't do myself justice on the on the odd occasion I did get parachuted into the team and. Sometimes just a change is best for all for all parties. So I wish Joe well, not not too well. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, uh, you know his goals can help damage some some of Ipswich's rivals rather than make Portsmouth a, a better mm. team, a better team than Ipswich. But I think he, he'll he'll be a Danny Cowley type of player. I think um, you know he's gone from being someone who would have been what fourth fourth mm. choice at the very at the very best striker to being the only striker on Portsmouth's books at the moment. And uh, hopefully that, that will give him some confidence to to kick on again. Right, I was going to leave the rest of the sexy stuff later on, but it's a natural place to ask this question. What does it mean, guys, for the rest of the sexy stuff this summer? Joe Piggott's gone, so Town are definitely in the market for another striker now. Harness has come in, you're saying he can play number 10, can play wide forward. Will that impact on Selena? Uh, and also we've got the Leaf Davis link as well. Hutchie, what's, what's the latest as you understand it? Uh, on those things, I don't think it would. Well, I don't think Piggott leaving changes anything mm. in terms of, in terms of what they were going to do in strikers. We'll, we'll move on to that one in a minute, and clearly, it's not going to change anything with what they do on, on the left side. But in terms of Selena, um, understand that that hasn't changed anything either. It's um, still something that's in play. Um, he's he's been talked about an awful lot over the last uh, over the last week. Bersan Selena hasn't he? Ipswich still very much in the in the mix for him, some complications um, for others in that there, there is a work permit issue, which means mm. Selena can only can only sign for Ipswich in the UK. So any sort of chat about a move to Stoke was never never going to happen. Ipswich have, from what I gather, been very much aware of that all summer, um, and they they've known the situation. But once once Stoke became aware of it, that's that's not something they they were aware of. Um, when, when they did, they had, had to pull the plug. But there's there's interest from elsewhere in Bursant Salina and Dijon haven't um, and Dijon has kind of it's made negotiations a little bit complicated with with Dijon throughout the entire summer. So this one ran and ran a year ago. Um, 
that that could happen again. It feels very similar, whereas he would be kind of like a cherry on the cake of the rest of their recruitment. And I think it will probably be the same, the same again, whether they get it done this time or not remains to be seen. Mm. How about striker then? We, we've talked about town needing to sign a flagship, shall we call it striker. Um, Piggott's gone. George Hurst is a name that hasn't gone away. He's been left out of Leicester's pre-season tour squad, which obviously then heightens speculation that he's going to move somewhere. Um, are there any other names other than Hurst in the mix that you boys have heard? Stewie, Hutchie, one of you? Oh, Stewie, you're on mute. Uh, no, I don't think we can we can add any more names at the moment, but I think it's fair to say that Ipswich will have plates spinning in, in mm. the positions that we've we've spoken about. Striker will definitely be one. Um, I don't think Piggott was ever, as Andy says, probably factored yeah. into the plans for next season. So it's it's Ladapo, it's Caden Jackson, um, and and one other, I, I would imagine. Um, whether that's Hurst or someone else remains to be seen. Obviously, there is some significant championship interest in Hurst. It looks pretty clear that he'll he'll move on mm. from from Leicester this summer. Left side is clearly something that Ipswich want to add to as well. We know that the interest in, in Leif Davis, who I note gave away a penalty on, on their tour. Um, and uh, Leeds fans weren't speaking too well of him in, in the replies <laughs> on Twitter. It's always <laughs> difficult to judge too much on social media. But um, that's someone that, that Ipswich are very keen on. And, and as Andy says, I think maybe one more to compete in those number 10 slots. You've got you've got Aluko. You've got Chaplin, you've got Cameron Humphreys. Um, will it be Selena or possibly someone else? I mean, Harness is, is obviously someone now that comes in, into the mix in those positions as well. So I think and if John Jules, yeah, and John Jules, who kind of sort of played sort of tucked in off, off the left hand, hand side. So I think Ipswich will want to do Selena, but as we've said right from day one, I think it has to be, they won't break the bank to do it. You know, mm. if they think that they can get get it at the right price and the fact that they're the only English club that can come to the party gives them a real chance of that. I think Selena has made it very clear that he wants to stay in England. So there's every chance Ipswich could do this deal without breaking the bank. But it depends whether someone from Turkey, for example, can come along and, and really sort of uh, turn his neck with, with a ridiculous you know, financial package or something like that. But I, I think deep down, and he's he said this on the record, he wants to stay in England. And I think that that love and respect that he gets from the Ipswich fans will, will be a, a very big pull. So it might be one that runs for a little bit longer, but Ipswich will still be hopeful of getting that done, I think. Just to complete the uh, the circle on the sexy work permit chat, um, the only... <laughs> The only, the only, the reason Ipswich are the only UK club that can do this deal is because he, due to I think, is a combination of kind of the, the the volume and the level of matches that he played last season, both for Ipswich and Kosovo. Um, given they were at League One level and Kosovo's international appearances were, um, he, he pulled out of a few squads, and also their opponents aren't the highest ranked sort of opponents in the world. Um, mm. Means that he doesn't hit the points criteria for a work for a work permit for, for the UK. Um, the reason Ipswich can do one is because effectively it would be a continuation of employment in kind of layman's terms. So he would be continuing his employment with the with the job that he had last season, which was to be on loan at Ipswich Town. Um, so that's why they can do it and nobody else can. That's the sexy it, stuff. There you go. I bet when you tuned in today, friends, you did not think we'd be going into HR terms there uh, of 
continuation of work permits and stuff. It's been a while since we had the the Genoid and Asian red red tape work permit saga. We needed we needed another juicy (laughs) work permit right right to remain. That's what we needed. Gets the people going. Um, Friends, let's move on now then from sexy stuff to your jolly boys weekend. Your outing on Saturday. Um, I'm going to warn you now, by the way, boys. Um, I'm going to ask you after we talk about these games. I'm going to ask you to name from the what you've seen in this preseason so far your starting eleven on opening day from what town I've got at the moment. I know you don't like me throwing things at you, so I'm giving you this chat to think about it and ruminate about it. Um, but let's start then. Two games, friends, on Saturday, um, and I've got to ask you a question first, which is how did you cover them both, boys? Because on on Thursday I was off on Friday. Um, we had this chat. We, we were a bit worried about, obviously, we couldn't go to the Palace game. That was behind closed doors. We're worried about the quality of the stream uh, and whether it's going to be worth someone's trying to watch that and not going to Wimbledon. In the end, though, I rocked up Saturday morning. You've covered both games, at, like the professionals you are. So have you done that, boys, peek behind the curtain times? Have you done that, sat in a, the back of a car somewhere on the way to Wimbledon, watching this stream? How's it work? Tell the people and tell me as your as your line manager, you really should know these things. <laughs> uh, we we made the call on, on Friday that I just think when we're sat here and we were discussing sort of, like you say, you're going to say who's going to start on the opening day. It felt like we needed to kind of see both games to, to be able to have a well-rounded opinion on that. It was a shame we, we contacted Palace and said any any chance we can we can get in and watch it. And they said no. You'll have to watch it on the stream like like everyone else, uh, which was a shame. But yeah, basically we just we just travelled a little bit earlier on Saturday, got ourselves close to close to Plough Lane, found ourselves a little coffee shop, went upstairs, and got ourselves a little geeky setup on, on the top floor. Oh man, <laughs> the ner- the nerdiest of corner. There was like a couple on a date in there, like, right. so, like just across across from us. They were talking about like all their like travel experiences and what they like in terms of like philosophies and how the, how they see the world and then there's the, the little nerd squad in the corner with two laptops Stu's daughter's tablet um... how many have you got for the substitution <laughs> what, what formation is this uh, is it a four is it a three <laughs> absolute nerd central um but uh, but great times yeah I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad the stream was the decent times <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, that was the gamble we took. If the stream wasn't decent, we would have been in tooting for like three hours before we needed to be there. So we took a calculated gamble. Yeah. Um, and boy, did it pay off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I mean, in terms of this setup, normally you travel with a snapper. So have you got have you got Steve Wallace sat with you? Ditched him. You did what? You just let him he, no out out into the wilds, it were. No, well, we went we went on the train. And I called yeah. him and said, "This is what we." I called him on Friday afternoon, evening. Said, "This is what we're thinking of doing. Do you want to come with us, or do you want me to get you your train ticket so you can come three hours later?" And he, very sensibly, um, for his own sanity, took the uh, took the later option. And Roscoe, you obviously travelled separately. You were on the uh, the coach with the women, weren't you? Yes, that's that's a good option as well. But then we left early as well. We got we arrived too early. I feel um, I was at the, the plough lane about one o'clock, so it's a long, long day. Deary me! Right then, friends, let's get into the games then. So Crystal Palace, and um, we spoke about this on the pod last week. We're expecting a a youthful Crystal Palace side and a, a kind of similar kind of thing from town. In the end, Palace side 
bloody hell, that was a strong side, wasn't it? Because of various reasons. Got the likes of Zaha and Benteke lining up against Ipswich Town. Um, and it was a it was a strong town side as well, wasn't it? Um, rather than it just being fringe players, you see several players there you'd expect to be starting on opening day. So take it away, boys. Hutchie and Stewie, you were sat there in your coffee shop watching the stream. Your thoughts. Have a chat amongst yourselves. Well, I think it caught us a little bit by surprise. I think we, when I think we joked in one of the last pods that you know, if you were part of the Ipswich team that got sent to Palace for a behind closed doors game against what we thought would probably be a pretty youthful team, mm. given Palace are away on on tour at the moment, that 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 might that might not uh, fool you with the greatest of confidence that you're part of his sort of first team sort of uh, plans or certainly starting eleven plans heading towards the start of the season but it didn't catch Ipswich by surprise they were fully aware of what this fixture was going to bring um what we're kind of since aware of now is that um I think Covid vaccination rules meant that several of Palace's first teamers we know that there's a lot of talk in football about footballers not being as uh vaccinated as, as the rest of the, the members of public um meant that a lot of them couldn't travel. So Palace's team included the likes of Mark Gahey, who's, who's obviously played a few times for England recently, Decore, who they signed from Lons in the summer for 20-odd million. The, the others that you mentioned, Zaha, Benteke, Jeffrey Schlupp, who won a, a Premier League title with, with Leicester, Eze, who they spent big money on to get from QPR. So, um, yeah, a, ver a very strong Crystal Palace team. Uh, and, and I guess the split of the Ipswich squads was was reasonably even I guess the, the one that you would say was at Wimbledon in front of fans was, was slightly stronger on, on paper but nevertheless at Palace you still had people like Aluko Jackson, Dominic Ball, um, George Edmondson, Wes, Wes Burns, Burns of course so yeah, um, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it as a game I thought it was pretty competitive we got six goals Ipswich went 4-0 down pulled, pulled a couple back um, and, and McKenna said he, he, he got a lot out of it as an experience. Just before Hutchie comes on to his thoughts, just let me run through the lineup for those of you who have not, not seen the, the way that the teams are split. So at Palace, it was Ladke in goal, Dinassian, Edmondson and Darba at the back. Burns, Ball, Harper, uh, Penny, Humphreys, Aluko and Jackson. So certainly some, some names in there you'd expect to be right at the forefront of things at the start of the season. Hutchie, what did, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was yeah, it was a decent game in the end. I, after eleven minutes, they're two nil down, and the defense is getting pulled to pieces a little bit, which isn't completely shocking given given you've got Zaha as a uh, and Benteke as a as an attacking part of the attacking unit for for Palace. Uh, I think they had a few issues with them. Ball, balls being slipped in behind was an issue for all of them. Um, really, uh, balls down the side. That's where a lot of the goals came from. But they. Ipswich had some good times on the ball, didn't they, Stuart? But even in the first half, they managed to get themselves a little platform, use the ball quite well. Didn't really get, didn't really get either Jackson or Burns into the game particularly much over the course of it. But in terms of having the ball and patterns and using it well, um, yeah, it was nothing to grumble about. Really, I quite quite liked quite like what I saw from it. They were very, very unfortunate to be 3-0 down come half-time because after it went to two, they were the better team for a large part of that first half. And um, Cameron Humphreys had a lovely little run inside, a, a, a jink and drive towards the edge of the box and he, he dragged his shot narrowly wide at the post. Edmondson glanced glanced a corner just, just wide again. Threat from set 
threat from a set piece, Claxon, and they went on to score one in in the second half. And then Palace, just again, that Premier League clinical quality. Uh, ben Teke beat a very high offside trap, uh, raced away 3-0 half-time. And you're thinking, oh, they could feel sorry for themselves here a little bit, Ipswich. But a really good response in the second half, even though they went 4-0 down. Um, came came back and finished the game game very strongly and um, ball ball heads home from a set a set piece and a Luco free kick delivery um, and then a Luco scorer himself um, nice little finish curling finish just inside the box after Edmondson's forward pass and substitute Gerard Buebo had, had done well to kind of uh, work the ball back back to him so. I think there's a lot of positives to take from that, much in the same way we talked about there was positives to take from from the West Ham game and the way they responded, even the Arsenal game, where they ultimately lost 5-1. But in that game, they were, um, what was the score? I think it was uh, 4-0 down at half-time and drew drew the second half 1-1 there. So Kieran McKenna said that they picked these, these games. They've now played three teams that finish in the top half of the Premier League last season to, to build a bit of resilience into their players to get them to get the mindset right that there'll be times in the season where things are going against them uh, when the chips are down and the, and that those those three games against top class opposition I think have, have proved very valuable for Ipswich stick a pin in that because that's something I want to come back to after the uh, the second game talk about that that resilience thing because I find that really interesting um, Ross you've been quiet for a while because we've been talking about Crystal Palace you were in you were there early at Wimbledon so were, were people Keeping up on what was going on at Palace? Yeah, I found the stream and I was watching it on the coach, but then I got bored after like 15 minutes because we were losing 2-0. I thought, oh, enough of that, enough of that. It's <laughs> ready for the, the main, main event at, at Plough Lane. But um, no, it was good to see, you know, Luco get a goal. Uh, Dominic Bowie's first goal for the club. Um, but no, I don't. I think town fans were just enjoying being at Plough Lane, looking around the scenery and all that sort of stuff in the sunshine. I got a cheeky hot dog, as you saw in game day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is weird when you see... Two different teams playing, you know, one team playing at Palace and then we've got a game here as well. But um, a bit of a mixture. I think some town fans have been a bit disappointed that Wes Burns played in a behind-closed-doors mm. game, not actually in front of fans. I know some of the squad actually came to the game and actually sat in front of the um, the away fans in the first half. So they're able to see Wes Burns briefly and get some selfies and whatever. But I'm sure there's some fans. I, I saw a young kid with burns on his back of his shirt. And he's probably like looking forward to seeing him. And then he finds out, oh, he played in a behind closed doors game. But I'm sure, I don't know, maybe that's more of a test because, as you said, the players you mentioned. That's um, a real testament to Wes Burns and the year he's had after a, a relatively low money move from Fleetwood, isn't it? We're, we're talking about him as if he's like the Ipswich Town Gareth Bale um, <laughs> on Wales duty here. That, um, but that, that is. That is what his arc has been over the last year, isn't it? Gone from sort of early signing that got went under the radar a little bit to being being the, the man that people are disappointed wasn't playing in a pre-season friendly away at Wimbledon. Just that was, that was definitely definitely reflected by the queues for photos and stuff. Like, lots of them were just sat there. I don't think anyone went to Vlaslav Pladky for a picture, but Wes uh, Wes definitely uh, took took the brunt of that. I would have gone to Hladkey for a picture. I want to get Ross with uh, with Hladkey, comparing beards. Rossi, just before we get on to the game, just a point of order there. You say that you, you gave up after 15 minutes of watching the, the team that you're paid to cover because you were bored. Um, so what did you move on to? 
I just chinwag on the coach, basically. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was, but I, I didn't. I, I didn't get told to cover that game, so oh, okay. You know, that wasn't, so you, that wasn't my you list. thought this is not part of my working day? I won't watch it. It's dull. Well, yeah, like <laughs> these boys are the writers. I couldn't do a game day. I could have maybe done. Just watch the stream, ladies and gentlemen. Um, speak to some people about it. So um, outside of hours, you're not interested. Anything goes on, not not interested. No, not, of course, you know. no, <laughs> not, not listeners of yourself. No, I am a town fan as well. But yeah. you know, behind closed doors, but, game but not enough. Not, not enough, enough of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds, that sounds like. There we um, go then, friends. Roscoe gave up watching the game to, to have a chin wag with people. There we go. Um, right then. So off to Wimbledon. Roscoe is definitely interested in that. Go back and watch the game day uh, if you've not. Because I think it's probably your best work so far, Roscoe. So if not watching the early game meant you could build yourself up mentally for that one, I think it was worth it. Um, starting lineup at Wimbledon. 4-2-3-1 formation, friends. Uh, Walton. El Mazzuni, El Mazzuni at right back, Wolfenden Burgess, Greg Lee, Morsey Evans, KVY, Chaplin, John Jules, Freddie Ladapo. Again, friends, I'm going to let you have a chat amongst yourselves about this game. Um, I'm going to start with you, Hachi. What did you make of it all? I think the system is the thing that interested Sue and I the most. Mm. I think we, we probably felt that that would be the big... By the time we, we realised that's what was going on, um, that was pretty clearly to us going to be the talk of the big talking point by the end of it, regardless of the performance on the pitch, which just, just very quickly, I would just describe as very, very comfortable the, mm. the actual game itself before we do get onto the system. Um, so they had so much of the ball. Um, I've not seen a possession stat from, from the game. I'm not sure if they were kept, but it would have been very, very high. Um, they started with the ball in, Wimbledon territory time and time again scored three really nice goals for different reasons and um were just very very comfortable but um for me the big thing is that is the the slight ever so slight really kind of tweak of tweak of system which which does kind of make a make quite a big difference Stewie yeah, just to pick up on the formation thing, it, it is such a minor difference. We're talking about the, the difference in these numbers, 3-4-2-1 or 4-2-3-1. Andy used the phrase, I think, in a previous one about how the whole team rolls. And within a game, you're going, is it a back four? Is it a back three? Um, whoever plays on the left, when it's looked more like the 4-2-3-1, whoever plays on that left-sided attacking role, um, and we've seen a few players... Uh, in the Needham game and this game where it's looked more of a back four. They tuck in a lot. It was um, Tyrese John-Jules at Wimbledon. They come right on on the inside to almost join Chaplin to make that double number 10. And it creates what in football now they seem to call a box midfield where you've got two deeper midfielders and then two advanced midfielders ahead of them. And that gave a lot of space for for the left back to then become the kind of the left wing back that we're used to. And that was Greg Lee at Wimbledon, who again impressed me. I think he's very powerful I think he's someone who's going to get on the back of uh, uh, on headers at the back post, and he's someone that looks like he can whip in a dangerous cross as well. We've seen that in, in a few of the games so far, so he's he's given his chances of uh, starting. Obviously, we don't know if there's there's someone still to come in his position, but I, I thought he did well. Um, comfortable from start to finish the game. The first half reminded me a little bit of last season and there was lots and lots of possession, never looked like they were going to concede because the opposition couldn't get the ball, couldn't get near the, the the final third. But was there enough in an attacking sense for Ipswich? They'd reached the final third and was there enough 
as Andy said earlier, ball carrier, someone who can beat a man who can then create an overload that can carve something out. And they were kind of restricted to a few pot shots, obviously led through a really nice Sam Morsi finish from, from the edge of the box. But I think when half time came, Kieran McKenna said, look, I know it's hot. I know you're fully in control, but there will be times this season where you come up against teams like this in League One that, that are difficult to break down. You've got to go through the gears. You've got to be ruthless. You've got to put teams like this to the sword. And and to be fair, I think they responded to that. And, and second half, obviously, uh, did add a couple more goals and, and uh, fully fully deserved 3-0 winners. Could have been more. Rossi, you were watching pitch side, obviously, um, covering stuff for game day, which I, I very much enjoyed the new stuff. Did you, by the way, Rossi, did you have uh, someone following you around on Saturday? An apprentice, if you will. Yeah, good old Regan, AK Bluetooth, a young a young lad um, who used to do interviews as well. Um, but yeah, he was doing stuff for the women's team after the game for the women's team, of course. But um, I sort of said to him, "Do you fancy holding my uh, my camera and uh, filming me?" And he went, "Yeah, no problem." Um, so yeah, he was um, a good lad to to help me film. He filmed some of the shots actually because I was just like, "Yeah, be my bored, for the day. bored of that as well." <laughs> no, 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 it's pre-season. I've still got to get my, my stuff in. But no, um, any other question? Are you, is he confused? Yes, he might he does. actually. He, he, he looks like he's... He, he's, he's <laughs> I'm going I'm to screenshot that. Um, for anyone... Yeah, this is obviously on audio, but he, he's frozen. Oh, he's back. back. He's I'm back. back. Oh, I missed it. You have the most inquisitive face there. I was I was I was, was confused, like friends, because you all you all froze, and I was like, "What? What's going on?" And then I realised it was me. I looked at the Wi-Fi had gone. So anyway, um, I missed that, Ross. I'm sure it's an incredible insight. Um, but obviously, everyone else everyone else heard it. Um, so a, a good day to have an apprentice. What did I miss, boys? Uh, that that is about it. Okay, <laughs> fair he, enough. He, he asked you if you have any more questions for him. Yeah, Roscoe. Yeah, I do actually. Um, who impressed you? Now, after the game, you were speaking to fans clearly, as you do. Um, and they all said Morsey was different gravy, sounds like it, scoring goals, including a beauty from what I've heard. Mm. Um, so obviously he was the standout. Anyone else impress you? Um, Tyrese John Jules, actually, he impressed me. Of course, got his first goal for the club, but um, he got himself about a bit. That's the first time I saw him in action. Um, because I mean, he didn't play, did he play against West Ham? So, wasn't yeah, he did play against West Ham, and of course, I wasn't there uh, for birthday reasons. Um, but yeah, I was impressed by him. Um, and yeah. Uh, any other players? Greg Lee, with, I know Stu's already mentioned him, but he's impressed me every game by game. Um, but yeah, Sam Morsey just ran the show, scored two goals. Do we need another striker? Is Sam Morsey the, the guy to score the goal? <laughs> Probably not. But um, no, I was impressed by Morsey as always. And, you know, Connor Chaplin gets himself about a bit, doesn't he? Can I say that um, Sam Morsey is already one of my favourite all-time Mitchell's Town players? And it's for reasons like this. In game day, there's a, there's a clip from, from the side of the pitch, actually, um, Roscoe, where he's trying to take a corner um, and a Wimbledon player is in the way. This is a friendly game. It means absolutely nothing. And yet Morsey's having none of it. He keeps playing the ball off the defender, clearly making you know the, the ref aware that he's not doing legal things, this player, and getting really frustrated with it. And I'm thinking, Morsey, this is a friendly game. No, friendly does not exist in Sam Morsey's vocabulary. If he's on the pitch, he's playing to win. And that's why I love him. Um, the re- the reason that happened as well is because that was Chris Gunter, the old uh, uh, veteran right back. Morsi actually fouled. I I think Morsi fouled Chris Gunter when they were running into that corner and they gave the corner away. So that, that had been going on a little while. That little tussle, I quite enjoyed it. Um, 
but yeah, that was a great, nice angle of that, Ross. Really close, uh, really close angle. Just to stress, obviously, in the season, EFL figures, we will not be doing that. All right, legally, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that fine. that footage from the side of the pitch. This is just friendly; it doesn't really matter. Anyway, boys, any other things to mention formation-wise? And I'm sorry about Benson barking. He's barking at the wind. Um, the curtains are flapping clearly. I haven't got the haven't got the windows shut, Hutchie. I'm not adhering to your rules, so I need to sort uh, that out. Uh, it's not my rule, mate. It's for your. You don't have to follow my rules. It's just my method. If you if you want to do things differently, you do things differently. Each going back own. going back to this rolling formation, four two three one. We've seen that when Wes Burns hasn't been playing, haven't we? So, do you think that's what the plan is? Without Burns, they're gonna they're gonna go into this formation this season. Yeah, I think I think it looks more wing backy when Wes Burns is there because Burns essentially plays as a or essentially plays level with you if you look at their starting line he's he's in line with the, the furthest Ipswich player forward isn't he so advanced Wes Burns but um I think next season it could be could it be the difficult second season for Wes Burns straight after that Charlton game Kieran McKenna sat next to Wes Burns on the on the podium in the press room afterwards and turned to Wes Burns and said, we've already had a discussion about, you know, you've got to kick off. It's all very well this season doing this, but kicking on. You're less of a surprise package next year. Teams will probably set up to to stop him a little bit differently. So I just wonder that McKenna's almost um, not, not expecting a drop-off in form, but not, as Andy said earlier, not pinning everything on him being the man that has to drag Ipswich through a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's just probably part of sending him to Palace was was to tr- just try something a-, a little bit different, not drastically different, um, but just, just a little bit different. But you've got to remember as well, like Burns Burns can very much play in a 4-2-3-1 if we're going back to the start of last season where we were talking about 4-2-3-1 an awful lot. As we seem to be, we discuss that pretty much every week. It's, it's a system I really like. I, if you've got the right players doing the right things in it, it's a really good system. I don't think Paul Cook ever had the right players in the right positions. Doing doing that, but Wes Burns was one of them who was in the right position as a the right sided num, uh, sort of number seven. Um, that f- is from that position that the the regular supply of boot boot the cross as hard as you can to the back post from Macaulay Bond to tap in goal goal era. That's when that's when he did his best work there. So I think it uh, th- there are options there. Um, I do feel like they've got a sort of more square square pegs and square holes to do it this time potentially so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out from here but it's definitely going to be flexible I think as as time goes on excellent right then now let's unpin that thing that I pinned earlier building resilience because this is something I find really interesting so Ipswich Town as you've mentioned Stu this this preseason have played three of the top 12 sides in the Premier League um in friendlies lost them all um but this this phrase building resilience. We've, how many times have we talked on this podcast before about town maybe having mental deficiencies when things start going against them? They they have tended in the past to crumble. So one wonders if this is something with all the analysts and everything that Kieran McGinn has got around him that they've identified as something that needs to change, and that's why they've structured this preseason exactly in the way they have to put them in situations where they're probably going to be under the cosh and losing games. But he wants to see that reaction, doesn't he, from them? It seems that they're not just going to quit and and walk away with tail between the legs, as they so often have. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, we talked about the when we looked at that preseason 
program, how much thought had gone into the opposition, what order that opposition was was played in. The the game they've now shown that they can stick at it against top level Premier League players. Okay, they've they've lost all the games, but I think there's there's positives that they can take from those matches. That will have prepped them mentally, psychologically, in in a certain way. Wimbledon team that have just gone down in, into League Two was was a, a similar sort of game that we've seen in League One against the lesser League One sides that can be a bit stubborn to break down, but can you keep your foot on the pedal and 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 clinically kill those teams off, which was a problem for Ipswich last season. That was a little mini hurdle overtaken. Next step, the next challenge is Millwall away on Saturday. Uh, a very solid championship side. I think that will tell us a lot about where Ipswich are at. And then and then we finish off with a home game against Southend, which is obviously on the Tuesday night, just mm. a few days before that opener against um, Bolton. So what sort of team they play in, in that game, how strong they go, how many they hold back for the game on Saturday remains to be seen. But that might just be a nice little uh, confidence builder going, going into the first game. So I, I think it's been a, a pretty good set of preparations thus far. Yeah, Millwall is going to be interesting, isn't it? As that's kind of the game, I guess, of the of the preseason. Um, we we maybe learn most. Roscoe, before we move on from the games, I want to talk about the day at Wimbledon because it was a double header day, men playing followed by women. You were there for the whole thing. You were there too early, truth be told, as you said earlier. Um, how about the day? You were with the fans. What was it like? Lovely, lovely day. Lovely day. As I said, I had a hot dog beforehand. Good old Michael Kennedy, who's now our sponsor for the Tractor Girls Talk. We'll get to that later. Uh, he bought me a nice little hot dog. Had that called Mum's Hot Dog. Is this something, what was the significance of the hot dog? Is that something they specialise in at Plough Lane? Possibly, I don't know. Um, it was Good. just basic. There's no, I didn't get no sauce. Didn't get no sauce for hot dog, so it was Mom. a plain hot dog. Mum's Hot Dog sort of conjures this image of, of really sort of homely homemade food you mm. know i don't think that sort of food comes in one of those little sort of paper bags that then gets zapped in a microwave which which correct me if i'm wrong ross it, it looked very much like it was it was your standard sort of football concourse fare would you describe it, it as would you describe it as questionable meat rossi possibly i haven't had any issues you know i didn't have any <laughs> issues sunday morning um was it you was know. it you know sometimes you get meat that that's grey for want of a better word no, it looks it looked like what a hot dog should look like um, good and it tasted <laughs> fine um I just, it just needed some sauce because it was just a bit dry and the i'm just saying i don't i don't think mama sort of cooked that in in her kitchen at no. home no and was no. was there any indication of whose mum it was no was that was that give any suggestion of that oh no i know actually ainsley maitland niles mum remember that Back in the day, I did the coffee. She made she made the hot dogs. Yeah, she made the hot dogs. Okay, wow. Oh, let's go. Let's go with that. Exclusive. Yeah. What about the day? Other than the hot dog, the questionable hot dog, Roscoe. What about the day? The fans had a good time. What was what was the um? How many stayed on for the women's game? Um, it's not not too bad. Um, but then uh, uh, as a whole, I don't, I don't think it was a, as a bigger crowd as I think everyone was expecting. I think for mm. the, as a whole, the away end wasn't as big as. I, I thought it was going to be. But, um, you know, some stayed behind us, some who who are followers of both teams anyway. But I know there's a few who actually stayed on who hasn't watched the women games before. So it was great to see a few people like that interested. There's a big um, incident in the game. There's a big collision. So there was like 20 minutes of stoppage. So I think some people 
probably had enough at that point saying, you know, I need to get home now to get the train home, whatever. So mm. a lot of people left then. But um, as a as a whole, watched two games of football. Both team won, which is good. Because um, last time we had a double header at Plymouth, back at, down at Home Park, the men lost on the Saturday, but luckily the women's won on the Sunday. But both teams won. But it was a good day all around, good weather, good football, goals. Yeah, I think everyone left happy. The perfect Saturday. What was the women's score, just so we uh, dot the I's and cross the T's? 2-0. Two 2-0. Two and the, it was the it was a Wimbledon player, wasn't it, who was, who was hurt? Yeah. But uh, I'm reading updates that she maybe wasn't as badly hurt as first feared. Yeah, good news. We got some good news. I think Wimbledon put a tweet out. And also, I want a little little shout out to uh, Maddie Biggs, who um, scored on the day. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. I got a picture mm-hmm. of her in a Waitrose uniform. She works at Waitrose. And um, of course, she, she went on scored. So um, I got a picture of her in a Waitrose outfit. And of course, then in the town kit. So um, leaving your shift at two, then scoring at six. I like that. Nice. A good day. All right then, boys. An excellent day all round on Saturday. You've now watched quite a few games this pre-season between you. I'm going to ask you all this question. We are now just over a week away from the big kickoff. A week on Saturday, Ipswich Town's League One season starts at home to Bolton. They've signed five players this summer. Obviously, there may still be more to come. But from what you've seen thus far, you're the manager. You are Kieran McKenna, wearing splendid trousers, very fashionable. Um... What team are you naming and what formation are you playing on opening day? I'm going to stop. I'm going to come to you last, Roscoe, because you, you've made it clear that you don't really care about lineups and formations. You're not bothered. Um, but people are. So I'm going to start with you, Hutchie. What What would your starting lineup be on, on opening day? Walton, Danassian, Wolfenden, Edmondson, Lee, Morsi, Ball with an asterisk, Burns, Chaplin, Harness who I obviously haven't seen, but I, I feel like I'm allowed to pick him and Ladapo. Mm-hmm. And I don't and know it. what system. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That fits, just... into bo- fits into both. That does. Okay. Okay, cool. Stewie? Cool, you rattled through that quite quick. Who we, who is your centre-backs? Who are you? Wolfenden Edmondson. Edmondson. Yeah, well, ultimately, he will be first choice. It's just whether he's... He's, they've decided he's fully robust. There was a little minor scare at the very end of the Palace game where Edmondson came off uh, after 88 minutes and the camera showed him sort of walking behind the back of the goal and, it, and he bent forward and just just tentatively touched that right ankle that he landed on so awkwardly back in February-March time. Um, and I think it was Andy Rolls, uh, director of performance, former, former physio who kind of... Uh, just had a little word with him and then thumb, big thumbs up back to the uh, back to the dugout. And I asked McKenna afterwards. He said, "No, no, he's fine. You know, the plan was always to take him off, but the timing the timing of that substitution with only a couple of minutes to go was a was a minor worry. But I, I just wonder if they'll take any risks on on someone like him. Um, someone I will give it a shout out to. I'm digressing a little bit here. Actually, who I thought did really well was was Burgess at the weekend. He's, he's someone that. Doesn't necessarily get all the the major plaudits, and he, he had a few. He had a bit of a tough start to, to life at Ipswich, but I thought he was really solid in, in that game. Um, I don't think he'll be someone that's kind of starting week in week out, but he's, uh, it was a, a reminder that he's a he's a, a good solid squad player. But um, the starting eleven, I've bought myself a bit of time there, haven't I? Um, 
have you bought yourself time to actually think about it? Because you were not talking really. at the same time. Yeah, not really. You needed no. someone else to buy you. Just, just go back. Just go back to Hutchie's because you did rattle through it. Let's 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 slow it down, Hutchie, and give Stu a bit more time. So you're you're you've got Walton in goal. Yep. Not bothered about the system. What what's what's the rest of the lineup? Well, I'll I'll read it. I'll read it as if it's a four-two-three-one, but it fits yep. into both. So Walton clearly is going to be in goal. Danassian, Wolfenden, Edmondson, Greg Lee. Mm-hmm. Morsi and Ball, yeah. uh, just Dominic Ball. Um, I'd be very, I'd be toying with Evans f- for that position actually. But we'll go Ball, Burns, Chaplin, Harness, Ladapo. Okay, right now that's Hutchie's slowed down, considered lineup, Stewie. Hopefully, that's brought you enough time. Uh, I can't disagree with it, a whole load of that. I might put, I might give Evans the nod ahead of Ball because I just Over think ball. because of the, the the set piece side of things, and uh, I think he he changes the dynamic of the team a bit. But that that's a very difficult shout. I think looking at that sort of three in support of the striker, I guess Harness is probably going to play as that tucked in left sided one. If if you're looking at that at the moment, I think Chaplin's. Been one of their best players in preseason. I think he's nailed down his place. Burns is a definite, of course. Morsi's a definite. Ladapo, I guess, is a question mark if if they sign this inverted commas marquee striker before the start of the season. Greg Lee, who we've spoken positively about, again, if somebody arrives in his position, that could change things. I've just got that question mark next to Edmondson, really. Um, hmm. And whether Kane Vincent Young, for example, could put enough pressure on Janoy Danassian. I think it would be incredibly hard on Janoy Danassian not to be a starter on opening day after after the season he's just had. But um who else would we who else would we have? I guess it would be Burgess next in line, wouldn't it, to uh, to start at centre half. So um but yeah, I think uh, I think that's pretty pretty close there, what we've got. Obviously in both scenarios, Rakeem Harper is the first man off the bench. Um, while we wait for Rossi, and I'm expecting Rossi just to go, yeah, I agree with what the boys said. Um, Freddie Ladapo, if he's going to be the starting striker, which it certainly looks like he is at, the, at, the, at this point, what have you made of him so far in preseason, boys? Um, quietly impressed. I've I didn't see the Needham game, but I, there's some attributes there that I like. I, I like that there, there were times in the Wimbledon game where um Ipswich got it into him really nicely with his back to goal and then worked off from that I think that's quite important if if they can I think that's quite important for Chaplin's game actually if they can if they can have a striker that can can link like that I think he could do some damage working off somebody like that I quite like his ability to drift in behind um defenders using using his pace and again holding on to the ball a little bit um and yeah, he hit the post with it, and he'd have wanted to have scored. But watching a watching a striker kind of run in from sixty yards to the to the opposition box in the West Ham game, sort of really comfortably with his ball ball at feet, doing that, um, he slowed up a little bit to find the finish, which is why he got under a little bit of pressure. But um, I quite liked the way that he did that too. So so quite quietly, sort of quietly encouraged by by him. But um, hmm. clearly, he's, clearly, there's going to be some more competition for him to come. Hmm. Rossi, right then, go on. What's what's your starting eleven? Um, is similar because you can't really change too much. I'm not going to go out, you know, out of nowhere and start Corey and Darber and you know all that sort of stuff. But Walton in goal, four, 
we're doing four two three one. That's the formation, right? Pretty much at the moment. Uh, so Walton, JD, Wolfie, Fridge, and then Greg Lee, then Burns, Morsey, and I'm going with Evans. Actually, I like Don Ball. It looks like a unit, but as Stu said, set pieces, and I just like Evans. Um, so he can start at the moment, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, who's on the left? Who's on the left? Oh, I don't know what. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. No, oh, two number 10s. Chaplin and Luke. I'm actually starting a Luco. <clears throat> okay. Starting a Luco. Um, you know, scored against Palace. Um, I think for the, for the time being, for the next six months, I think he will be a key player. And I think then Harness can come off the bench and I'll Dapo up front. So, hold on. You said 4 2 3 1, and then you've got two number 10s. I'm, I'm know, confused. I don't, what, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Look, we're talking, as, like I said, there's a very different. There's a, there's a slither between the, those two systems, um, so I think I know where Ross is coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. If you've got Wes Burns on the right and you've got Genoa at right back, then it's it's both of those systems in one, isn't it? Let's okay. be yeah. let's be honest. All right, excellent. I, I like that you spent so much time with him. Now you just know that my the way his, his mind works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> excellent all right then, friends um we're coming to the end of the podcast now we shouldn't mention in dispatches of course a new home a divisional rival home for formerly of this parish striker james norwood signed for barnsley as expected any any thoughts on that he is inevitable that james norwood is going to score against Ipswich town isn't it i've done the science and it's not <laughs> well i know but it does feel particularly with james norwood <laughs> it does feel inevitable yeah the uh, history says and it's not um, James Norwood and all of his personality traits and how much he will be up for. He's he's not like any old former striker in terms of motive, I would say. So he, he's got all the character traits for somebody mm. to go and score at the first attempt about his former club. And it comes very early in the season as well, end of August. So we won't have to wait too long. Mm. Um, Rossi, we should also mention, you mentioned there the, the sponsor for Tractor Girls Talk, um, which is great. Um, and that will be coming back soon. Yes, um, the the women's fixtures are out today. So on Tuesday, me and Blue Wilson will be bringing you a, a jam-packed show, talking about the fixtures, talking about the um, the new sponsor, of course, uh, talking about pre-season so far, and just loads of bits and bobs. So um, tune in tomorrow. When does the women's season start? The 21st of August. Oh, wow. So it's a little bit of a, no, no, a break. A after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Blue's back playing this season? Yeah, hopefully she's back on the grass, um, kicking the ball about and stuff, but not no contact at the moment. But hopefully, she may have to wait until October time probably for her to get back in action. But she'll be thereabouts. And um, yeah, we, our people have spoken to her people. She's carrying on. So bring on Tractor Girl Talk this season. Excellent. Blue, uh, you have my sympathies as a fellow elite athlete with a knee injury. I know exactly what you're, you're going through. It is very frustrating. Um, so hopefully when you're back on the pitch, that will give me inspiration that it can be done. Um, boys, before we go today, I just want to have a quick chat about sumo wrestling. <laughs> Bet none of you saw that coming. Um, in the green room before the show, we were having a chat. I was doing some fight commentary at the weekend, and I was doing seven hours worth of fight commentary. And Hutchie said, that's like when I went to watch the sumo in Japan, at which point I said, no, we've got to talk about this on the pod. Sumo wrestling is something that I know nothing about. It used to be back on Channel 4 in the day, didn't it? Um, but it's, it's something that I'd really like to get into because I'm, I'm interested by the whole kind of um, culture and history around it. Um, Hotchi, tell us about when you went to watch sumo wrestling in Japan. 
before I do that, when when you say you it's something you really want to get into, no, not physically um, compete. In what, in what sense? <laughs> I would need to bulk up considerably um, to be competitive in sumo. I'm not sure they have many one legged sumo wrestlers either. I think the uh, the old knee would be a bit of a hindrance at the moment. But the whole, obviously, martial arts. There's a whole kind of culture and history and tradition around many of the traditional martial arts, and sumo is no different. But it's one that I know nothing about. But it's massive as a sport, isn't it? In Japan, there's a whole um, kind of respect um uh, and the events are huge um so what, what was it like actually seeing in, in the in the i say uh, in the flesh a lot of flesh hachi <laughs> yeah it was, it was an amazing experience it's quite um i don't it's not like um it's not like boxing where there's like the big like couple of big fights a month and mm. like regular every weekend boxing events with various things going on it's um quite sporadic i would say it's like they have like four big tournaments a year um and we went to the january one the new year one and it's like a a week long sumo Mm. fest um at like these really big um like indoor arenas which are specially used for sumo and nothing else um in tokyo it's like the whole the whole area of the city is like full-on sumo takeover all the all the fighters live there um, and you see them all wandering in because it's a seven-hour thing, mm. and you just see sum- the sumo people just walking around, the wrestlers just walking around with their little wash bags, same as footballers. <laughs> they just they just wander in a little bit of time before their. Fight. Are they just are they wandering what? around in their in their their fight kit, as it were? Probably got or a that, t-shirt or, on. They're going to say they're um, covered up. Yep. Yeah. And then, like around there, all of like the shops and all the restaurants around there are owned by former sumo wrestlers serving former sumo wrestler stuff. Um, and yeah, it's great. Loads of color, loads of um, like flags, lots of traditional stuff, lots of sumo fighting. Mm. Um, yeah, I like that. That's clever. It's like the old in the old days, footballers before they earn the money they do now would retire and, and open pubs. But sumo wrestlers are opening. They're clever. They know how much sumo wrestlers eat. So open a restaurant near near sumo places. You're going to be, you're not going yeah. to be doing an all you can eat buffet there. Not going to get me on that. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to expose myself for not knowing much about sumo here, but I think I'm right in saying once a once a wrestler has reached a certain level, if they lose a certain amount of fights in a row, they have to retire. Um, I believe that's right. Um, they are called I'll... yokozunas. I that's believe. it. Yok- I think yeah. they're called. Yok- there was, while yeah. we were there, actually, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a scandal. Um, a very I don't know if he was active or not anymore, but there was one one of the Yokozunas was um he had used his violent violent streak away from the away from the ring. He'd had hit he? someone, it's hit someone with a mobile phone. And it was very it was very, very big news that someone so kind of sacred and um mm. held up as being this like idol had uh, had done such a thing. Yeah, I mean, the top wrestler, like you say, Yokozuna is a top rank, isn't it? And they are basically deities, aren't they, in Japan? Yeah, there's not strong. many of them. When you say hit someone with a mobile phone, do you mean he physically hit them with it in hand or they had a mobile phone and he hit them? Uh, I think he um, I think he used the mobile phone in his hand to hit someone. Okay. I think, I think. I, but that's, I am, yeah. We're you're digressing. My, you're, you yeah, are, yeah. yeah, you're stretching my memories of this. Um, we're digressing but, big time. Um, Rossi, I want to see you have a go at Sumo. Yeah, sure. 
I'd do anything, you know, if you know, it pays well. Well, if we're, next time we do the, a live show, we'll hire those. You know, you can hire those inflatable rings yeah. and the big suits you put yeah. on. We'll do yeah. that. What's what's uh, more likely to happen, Rossi? Um, you to become oh. a Yokozuna or you to pass your driving test? What's the latest? I knew about? that was coming. Why don't? And guess what? On the coach journey there and back, I got. Yeah. Yeah, even Joe Joe Sheehan, the Itchers Town manager, women's manager, he got involved as well. So I can't can't escape it. There's just too much pressure. Too much pressure. You boys. can you can escape it. Pass the test. <laughs> let's let's not even you know just just pass the theory. Let's get back past that first of all, shall we? Uh, yes. And then we can worry about the, the actual hard bit, the test itself. Yeah. Um, we're all about building resilience, Rossi. So hopefully these numerous fails are building resilience in you. Um. So, yeah, there we go. Right then, boys, anything else to mention? We've gone just over the hour, Mark, talking about sumo, which I do apologise for. Um, anything else to mention, friends? I've got some bullet points written down here. All four new signings have now scored for Ipswich with, with Dominic Ball uh, scoring at the weekend, which is good. Um, you mentioned about Ladder Pass, a couple of one-on-one -on -one chances that he's not taken. And he mentioned the one against West Ham, and they had a decent one against Wimbledon at the weekend. So... If he can just sharpen those up, that that would be great. Um, Luke Plange, Plonge, Plange. I like saying that. He looks decent um, for Palace. Tell you what, if Ipswich do need to sort of add to their attack at some stage on on loan, I don't think that that's the sort of signing that they're going to be going to do now. Having done John Jules, but he looked decent, didn't he? Big, strong, scored a hat trick. They signed him from Derby earlier back in January and, and loaned him back immediately whether Derby will be on the scene for him, but just thought I'd give him a mention. We liked him, didn't we, Andy? Yeah, I think they Palace took advantage of Derby's uh, Derby situation, in, similarly to how Newcastle did with, with Darren Ambrose back in the back in the day at Ipswich. So, yeah, he did he did look good. He did look good. He's a very highly rated um, young player. Whether whether he's not on tour with the Palace first team for vaccination reasons or or sort of position in the pecking order reasons I don't know but um Patrick Vieira as I think he had eight senior players with him mm. on as part of this tour that that's almost pointless yeah. going to see I bet he was probably didn't want to go to Singapore for with that yeah it's a strange one isn't it um just on in terms of players looking good I note that David McGoldrick has been earning rave reviews uh for Derby in pre-season so interesting to see that carries on into the season itself. Hutchie, just dot the I's and cross the T's. That's a Lazio shirt behind you over your right shoulder. Is that Germany over your left? Yeah. I've spent... I uh, can't get my shoulder down. I've spent a long time trying to source that Germany shirt from, from the 1994 World Cup. And, nice. Um, and now you've sourced it, what are you going to do with it? Hang it up. <laughs> there you go. It's, bask it's what it was made bask for. in the happiness of having sourced it. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I've wanted that for a very long time. But you're not going to wear it. You're not going to wear it. You're just going to hang it up. No. I like it. Superb. Right then, boys. I'm waffling now. Should we, should we make our excuses and leave? Stu, have you finished your bullet point list? I have. Uh, nice one to finish on was the referee just blowing for half time on 42 minutes at Wimbledon on the clock. Ross has got a point to make here. Was it not? Well, Remember, this happened on when we played Wimbledon on Burns night, and basically the clock didn't start at the time it was supposed to start, so that's why it didn't blow off early. So that's what I got told. Anyway. I thought it had started though, because I, I did look up when the game started. I looked at the clock and went, Yep, yeah, no, we're okay, we've got a clock, it's working. So 
well, the groundsman said, oh, yeah, this, this happens a lot, and apparently that's what happened again. But, um, okay. but yeah, it's only, it's only pre-season. It's only a friendly. It doesn't really matter. I don't know why we're bothering to talk about it, to be honest. Um, friends, your week has started with a Kings of Anglia pod. Stu, you're going to jump in. You're going to jump all over my outro there, weren't you? You were. What were you no, going to say? I was going to use it as a segue to say, now and now you can blow the whistle on this <laughs> hey! I can indeed. I'll carry on as if nothing happened then. Friends, your week has started in fine form with the Kings of Anglia podcast talking about all sorts of stuff, Ipswich Town related. A reminder, if you haven't already, to go back and listen to Mike Bacon's chat with Ed Upson, who signed for Stowmarket. That was out in the 6am slot yesterday. And also, of course, look forward to the return of the newly sponsored Tractor Girls Talk coming at you later this week. Roscoe, what day is that going to be out? Wednesday, are we saying? Yes. Okay. Look look out for it on Wednesday. It'll probably be Thursday or Friday. Um, but it will definitely be out this week, fingers crossed. And friends, obviously remember to, to support our sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code KOA, manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery of all that excellent club. But clearly in this heat, you'll want to be plucked and shaved. Um, well, you, oh, look at this. we got... This is... What's going on? Someone's at the door. Who's knocking at the door? <laughs> That's me. I'll see you later. <laughs> okay. See you, Stu. He just gave his tickets to the gun show. Now he's leaving. Um, friends, I hope you enjoy the rest of the week. We'll be back next time to talk about more Ipswich Town stuff. Have a great start to the week. We'll speak to you again. <laughs>